As warrior dads, we got to tackle a lot of things, but tackling low testosterone levels should definitely not be one of them. Uh, we need to keep our testosterone at peak levels, and that is absolutely crucial for all of us. So I'm sure you know all the horrible things associated with low T levels. If you don't, it's definitely not pretty. Uh, it's Google search away. But unfortunately, testosterone levels in men have been consistently decreasing over the last two decades. And it's actually one of the biggest conversations I have to have when working with men, which is why I decided to create the Warrior Dads Testosterone Booster Guide and Checklist. It's a free download. And all you have to do is go to checklist.warriordads.com. Uh, just download it, start, start implementing it, and start to feel the difference. So again, go to checklist.warriordads.com and get your free copy now. Being a dad isn't always easy, but it's the best thing I ever did. I'm constantly improving myself to be the best dad I can be through fitness, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle. As fathers, we pass on many things to our children, such as our mindset, our habits, our attitude, and what we've learned along the way. Each of these will shape who our children are and who they will become. The Warrior Dad's mission is to help you become the healthiest version of yourself, to hone your edge, and to live with purpose. My name is Jim Bartomey, and this is the Warrior Dad's Podcast. Hey, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Warrior Dad's Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about nutrition, and we're going to talk about how to keep it super, super simple with the two Q's. And before I get into what those two cues are, I just wanted to say thank you again for tuning back in, but for all the comments and all the feedback that I've gotten on the previous episodes that I've done, um, it's really good to know that you guys are listening, that what I'm saying is helpful, the interviews that we're doing are helpful, that I'm doing are helpful. So I'm just glad that uh, you're getting something out of it. And if there is a topic or if you have questions or something like that, please leave them in the comments below. You can reach out to me through Facebook, through Instagram, um, either one, or go to my website. Right now, I'm still working on warriordads.com, uh, but my local, my more local business is called Elite Core Fitness, so you can find it at Elite Core C-O-R-E, fitness.net, and you can always reach out to me that way as well. So nutrition, this topic is super important. You know, most people focus on exercise to get healthy and to get their energy up. And yes, exercise will get your energy up. It'll definitely spike endorphins and other hormones to make you feel good, get your blood pumping, and all those are good things. However, you need to feed your body. And basically, this aspect I call fuel. So you have your focus which is your mindset, you have your fuel, you have your fitness or your functionality, and then you have your family, which is really more your lifestyle. So you have your focus, your fuel, your fitness, and your family. And all of those have to be balanced. So today we're going to be talking about fuel because it's one of the most important ones. Uh, and when we're talking about, you know, in the, in the health world, and we're talking about the six principles of health, you know, thing, uh, the six principles that I teach my clients are, again, thinking, focus, breathing, hydration, nutrition, movement, and sleep. So 
there's six pieces to the pie and only one of them have to involve exercise, which is the movement piece. So with so many people putting emphasis on exercise, though it's good, you have to look at the other factors as well. And nutrition is huge. So the Q2 concept, we're going to talk about quality and we're going to talk about quantity. And when you're talking about nutrition, especially in the very beginning, that's all I really want you to think about is the quality of the food and then think about how much you're having. So when we're talking about quantity, there's a couple of subcategories to that. It's actually how much food you're consuming and then also in what ratio. So your macronutrients and your macronutrients are your proteins, your fats, and your carbohydrates. But first let's talk about quality. The quality of the food that we put in is so important because there's so many choices out there of fruits, vegetables, meats, fats that all come from crappy sources. And when I say look at the quality of the food, basically I'm saying look at organic food. Now, I know you might be thinking right off the bat, yeah, organic food, I've heard about that. Maybe it's too expensive or you think that it's too expensive. Um, some people think it's kind of bogus, that it's not really organic. But you, we have to understand what organic means. So organic just means all natural, plain and simple. So when something's organic, it means it's really coming from nature and we're letting it grow in its natural environment. So you can have a commercial farm and the plants are growing in the fields and things like that, which would be its natural environment. But then again, they're spraying stuff on the plants. So they're, they're spraying pesticides and herbicides and fungicides and rodenticides and all these things. Some of it's, you know, some organic farms spray things that aren't necessarily toxic or that are approved. So you have to be careful with those things too. However, one of the things that we have to look at is, you know, when we're shipping products in from other countries and we're the ones having them grow the food for us, unfortunately, it's been exposed that we will force those other countries to use these banned chemicals and substances in the U.S., they're at least banned, and then we'll have them spray that stuff on the food, but because it's not being done on U.S. soil, it's not quote-unquote illegal, but then they ship it right back into the U.S., and we consume it anyway. <laughs> so where's the logic in that? And it might be a cynical way of looking at things, but when you've done enough digging and learned as much as I have in this industry and seen how much has been exposed, you tend to have a little bit of that cynical point of view. It's almost like talking to somebody who's, you know, seen war and combat in the military or a police officer who's in the grind every single day on the streets. They have a different view of the world, but it's not wrong. It's just different. It doesn't mean that those things don't exist just because we don't know about them or just because we don't get to experience them ourselves. So I want you to keep that in mind. So I don't want you to think I'm this negative Nelly or this cynical person. But again, if it's true and if it's fact, then we can't ignore it. And we can't just turn a blind eye and say, oh, you're being cynical or oh, you're being, you know, whatever. So back to, back to the food and the substances. So, you know, it's, it's public knowledge that things like, um, you know, farmers on conventional farms, let's say, they're allowed to use 
things like sawdust, cement powder, raw sewage, plastics, dead animal remains, etc., in the feed for cattle, for cows. And that's actually, you could just Google that online. That's available out there, and that's no nothing new. It's been for years. And they are allowed to mix that in with the feed for the cattle. So why, why do they do that? So most people, when I tell that to them, they're like, well, why the hell is that even happening? Well, it's very cheap for the farmer to use those types of things to put in the feed. So there's money involved. And then there's money involved on the back end too, because the animal gets bigger and fatter. And the farmer gets paid on how much the animal weighs. Excuse me how much the animal weighs. So if you're fattening up the animal and then you're selling it off, you're going to get paid more because it weighs more. So then there's money again on the back end. So nobody cares about the health of the animal. You know, is the animal stressed out from being penned up all the time and not getting enough exercise? Is the animal stressed out because it's not even really eating its natural diet? So, you know, a a cow's natural diet is you know, grass, a chicken's natural diet is just bugs and, you know, eating things off of the ground and off of the grass. Um, you know, hence, uh, pasture raised chickens, which produce pasture raised eggs, which are the best you can get. Um, and just a little side note on eggs. If you look at the color of the yolk, uh, now we get pasture raised eggs and a couple of them here and there for whatever reason will be more yellow, but typically the yolk is going to be orange in color. If you didn't know that. So orange eggs are really good because it means they're also high quality, but they're just really good tasting too. So anyway, back to the the cows, you know, you look at the health of the actual animal because whatever you're eating, or I'm sorry, whatever they are, you become. So if the animal is stressed out and sick and diseased, guess what? It's not producing good quality meat. So there's an, there's a saying that I heard a while back when I first started learning about nutrition and kind of getting on my journey to better myself and my lifestyle. And it was, you can't get chicken salad from chicken shit. And it's really true. We can't expect to be eating unhealthy, sick things, whether it's animals or plants, because plants are also alive too. Um, and I'll probably do a podcast on this for some of the vegetarians that might be listening and nothing against vegetarianism. I don't want people to think that I'm against it. I'm just against it for the wrong reasons. And basically what I mean by that is that people think that they're saving animals or they're doing something good by eating plants, but what if they're harming themselves? So if they're okay with killing humans or someone's okay with killing a human, as long as they're saving a a few animals. And the human would be themselves. So if it's working for you and you're doing it for the right reasons, let's say you've been overeating meat or you've been abusing um, flesh foods for a really long time and you're like, you know what, I'm going to cut back. I'm going to do more of a vegetarian diet. I'm going to do more plant-based, some grains in there. Totally fine. Maybe your body needs to detoxify itself. Maybe you were backed up and you just need a rest. That's an intelligent reason to go vegetarian. But just to say, well, I'm going to save some animals even at the cost of myself, then that wouldn't be the best choice for you at that particular moment in your life. Okay. So again, I'll probably do a podcast on that later on. Um, But, you know, when we're looking at the health of the animal, that is what 
our health is going to turn into. So again, with the plants that are getting sprayed with pesticides and herbicides and fungicides and all this kind of stuff, we're consuming all of that. You're not washing it off even though you're soaking your fruits and vegetables in water or even with apple cider vinegar. It's not washing it all off. And the problem with these chemicals is that they're, they're attacking the nervous system and they're attacking the hormonal system. So they're throwing your hormones out of balance and then they're attacking the nervous system and that puts tremendous stress on the body, which will stimulate your adrenal glands, active, uh, elevate your cortisol levels because you're having stress being put on the body because of toxicity. So when we're talking about getting healthy, one of the first things we have to look at is just how are we managing our stress and stress is in many forms. And so right now we're talking about the nutritional form of stress. And then we can look at the physical form of stress, which would be exercise. And then we can look at circadian form of stress, which would be sleep. So we can look at all these different forms of stress. And then there's, you know, mental and emotional stress, uh, social stress, religious stress, um, you know, environmental stress thermoregulatory stress, going from hot to cold, hot to cold, hot to cold, that puts a little bit of stress on the body. And none of, not that any of these are particularly bad, but when you add up all the little things and you see what it's adding up to, that's where your problem is. So the idea is to manage the game of stress in multiple areas of our lifestyle, and that's how we're able to achieve the optimal results. So one way that we can reduce, significantly reduce the amount of stress that we're bringing into our body through our food is by buying organic food. We're, you know, the, we're not taking in those toxins. The food doesn't contain those toxins. Also, you have to remember we're eating, you know, if you're eating conventionally farmed or conventionally grown food, you're taking in, you know, especially if we're going back and talking about animals and flesh food, you're taking in the energy of the animal too, whether you want to believe it or not. You know, when I first started getting into this, I just was, you know, dismissing this idea of the energy of the food. But the thing is, is that you're eating something that's alive. And I've actually made a YouTube video or a Facebook video about this before where I did it with chicken. And I was actually uh, sitting at my or standing at my counter and washing this whole chicken off. And I, I did this video and it was partially meant to be funny, but then serious at the same time. You know, just because the chicken is dead or the cow is dead does not mean it's truly dead. Because if it was truly dead, we wouldn't be able to eat it because it would have already decayed. Just because an apple falls from a tree doesn't mean that it's dead. It just means that it's fallen from the tree and it's ready to eat. But when the apple is truly dead and the, all the cells that are still alive in the apple or the chicken or something like that, when they do truly die off and the apple is truly dead or the chicken is truly dead, you will not be able to smell it, um, look at it maybe sometimes, but the smell will be just nauseating and you definitely won't be able to eat it because you'll throw up and probably get sick. So the argument could be made that the chicken's not really dead and the, everything that makes up the chicken is still alive and it's still living. All of the cells are still alive. Same thing with human beings. So just because our heart stops beating, yes, we are dead, but then our body then starts to decay. Okay. So it's kind of the same thing with fruits and vegetables. Maybe the human thing is not a good idea because we're actually talking about eating things and um, not talking about eating humans here. So the idea with the quality is that you want to look for organic sources. Okay. Now I understand that organic can be a little bit more expensive per pound, but there's been a lot of 
cases, and I've done this test myself, that you find that you actually eat less or you need to eat less of the organic food because there's more nutrition in it. And the reason you'll eat less is because the signal from the brain to the stomach gets shut off earlier because your nutritional requirements are being fulfilled earlier. So the amount of nutrition in a 16-ounce conventional, conventionally farmed ribeye, let's say, if we're talking about steak, you'll probably get the same amount of nutrition in a 10-ounce ribeye that's come from an organic grass-fed cow. And you'll notice that you don't need to eat as much. So why is that good? Well, now you don't have to buy as much, or you at least don't have to consume as much in one sitting. And then two, in that particular example that I'm using, you're consuming six ounces less of red meat. So you're putting a lot less stress on the digestive system. So now you're probably going to feel a lot better too. Now, whether you actually needed the 16 ounces of steak in that particular example, you know, who knows, but that's not unheard of for people to eat 16 ounces of steak. Um, however, if you can feel just as full and have better results because it's a higher quality piece of food that you just ate and have six ounces less and put less stress in your digestive system, then there you go. And like I said, we're talking about managing stress. So we're talking about managing the stress that the body has to deal with in the aftermath, the toxins. And then we're also talking about how much work the body has to do or the digestive system has to do um, when we're eating our food. So if we're consuming six ounces less meat, then our body doesn't have to do as much work. Okay. And when we're also talking about stress, it's really important to um, note when we're talking about eating, chewing your food. And especially with something like red meat or really any kind of meat, but you know, in this case, we're talking about red meat. Chewing your food is so important. I have to tell this to people constantly. I'm actually surprised at how much I have to say this over and over again, but you need to chew your food. And there's a couple reasons why. When we're chewing our food, we're, you know, we're creating more saliva in our mouth and we have enzymes in our saliva and that's mixing with the food. So that's really important too, because now our body's kind of able to accept the food easier and start the digestive process sooner. Um, two, it's just going to make overall digestion so much easier because if you chew your food to a really soft and squishy consistency, and then it goes into the and then it goes into the stomach. It doesn't have to do much work. If you take four or five, even six chews, and then you throw it down your down the hatchet, now it's going to have to break down this big chunk of maybe tough, even if it is, um, you know, uh, juicy or tender or something like that piece of meat. You still have to break it down. So we want to be able to do that work ourselves, and that's why God gave us teeth. Not so that we can just bite things off, but so we can chew them and mash them up in a particular way so it makes it easy for our body. So one of the reasons that a lot of this time this doesn't get done, bad habit, just you know, used to eating very, very quick. But one of the other biggest reasons is we're eating on the run. We're eating on the go. We're, we're falling prey of the busy lifestyle. And instead of choosing to sit there and enjoy the food that you've been given or that you were able to prepare and that you were able to buy, and feeling grateful and blessed, and hopefully you're saying a prayer before you eat to, you know, not only just, you know, give thanks, but to open up your body to the food that it's about to receive. You know, we're, we're just running around 
sometimes sometimes literally running around and eating, you know, keeping our plate on the kitchen counter and then running back and forth doing this. Or we're sitting there on our phones and we're not even paying attention. And then the, the eating becomes secondary to whatever we're doing, watching TV, watching the news, whatever that is. So we want the food to be the primary focus. Now, if you did want to watch TV or something like that, because we do that every now and then, um, but typically we have family time first. We'll talk as a family. We'll talk about our day and we'll connect with each other at dinner time, my wife and my son and I. And then sometimes we'll turn on a show, but typically it's a funny show. We don't watch, you know, well, we don't really watch the news a lot in general anyway, um, but we definitely don't watch it or put it on during dinner. So you want to watch something that's more happy. You know, if you, you're going to get a different response from the body when you watch something scary or suspenseful or some kind of thriller or something that makes you upset or scared, as opposed to something that makes you feel good or, you know, laugh. So I would encourage you, if you are going to watch some TV, watch something that makes you feel good and makes you laugh. So this way you're not creating any kind of stress response because once we chew our food and then we swallow it, now the digestive system has to kick in. But when we look at two of the branches of the autonomic nervous system, you got parasympathetic and you got the sympathetic. The parasympathetic is the digestive, rebuildive, anabolic side of the sympathetic or the autonomic nervous system. And then you have the sympathetic side of the nervous system, which is the stress, the fight or flight. And we've all heard of that before. So we want our parasympathetic system to be high and active when we eat our food, which is exactly why they say, you know, don't go exercise right away after you get done eating. Don't go running. Don't go swimming. Things like that, because those are sympathetic activities. Those are going to activate the sympathetic nervous system, which is the stress fight or flight system. And we want our body to be able to relax and digest our food. So I encourage you to eat organic food. So if you can't find organic food in your grocery store or something like that, there's a couple of resources where you can have it shipped to you. Um, but before you have it shipped to you, I would also recommend supporting local farms. So farmers markets, things like that. In our area, we're lucky and blessed enough to have a couple different vendors still continue to come in the winter months for a farmer's market, but it's not every week, it's every two weeks. So that's really awesome that we get to still support them and they come right around the corner from our house and we just get to go there and get some of the things that we need. And you know we know it's high quality and we know we're supporting local businesses. So it's a win-win for everybody. However, if you don't have that luxury or you don't have a grocery store or a supermarket or something like that that sells organic food, you can have it shipped directly to your house. So you don't even have to go anywhere to get it. So you might have to pay for the shipping, but you know, what's your health worth? What's, you know, what's your quality of life worth? It's worth definitely $20 in shipping or something like that. Now, the second company I'm going to recommend, uh, I think that it's only like a $7 or $8 uh, shipping fee. I think they even call it a processing fee. So anyway, Google blackwing.com or just Google blackwing meats. And it's B-L-A-C-K-W-I-N-G.com. They have a lot of high quality, organic, free range uh, meats, everything from guinea to elk to bison to wild boar, you name it, they have it. And it's really awesome stuff. I mean, wild boar is delicious. And we used to get their pork sausages years ago. So I would definitely recommend them. That is uh, shipping by the, the weight or the pound of the package. The other one you can look at is U.S. Wellness Meats. 
and I think it's grasslandbeef.com, but just type in U.S. wellness meats in Google and you'll find it. And both of those can be two really tremendous resources for you that you can just have some some meats shipped right to your door. Uh, I'm not affiliated with them at all. They don't even know I'm mentioning them. <laughs> so, but this is just to help you. So, um, so anyway, talking about quality, get the quality, get the good quality food in your body. It's going to help every inch of your body. I mean, we're constantly turning cells over at a rapid rate every single day. So, you know, what are we making those new cells out of? What are we making our new eye cells out of? Forget about muscles. Think about your organs. What are you making your new liver out of? Your new skin cells out of? Your new eyeball, your new eardrum. All of those things, your eardrum, your eyes, your organs, all of those are made up of cells. So if we have cells dying off, we need to make new ones. And so then we have to look at what we're drinking too, because that's the other thing that we're bringing into our body. So we want to make sure we're not drinking anything that's you know, toxic for the body too. High amounts of sugar, dyes, red, blue, yellow dyes in it, things like Gatorade and all that junk, um, caramel color from sodas and things like that. So, you know, all of that is junk and it's not fuel. Um, and you're not fueling the body. You know, people take more better care of their cars. And when you talk about fuel for a car, you know, let's say you drive from Mercedes or an Audi or something like that that requires high octane fuel, more premium fuel. Well, if you said to that person, would you ever put regular in your car? They'd look at you like you had three heads. Like, no, of course not, you idiot. Why would I ever do that? It would ruin my engine. Well, <laughs> what are we doing to our own engines internally? So I always like to use that analogy because a lot of times it's true. And I've actually said that to people before and I knew what their diets were like and I just thought it was interesting. So definitely worth mentioning. So anyway, high quality food. And then the second cue, quantity. So I teach my clients about metabolic typing. The idea about metabolic typing is that we are all different as human beings. Some of us have different ethnic backgrounds and a lot of us today have mixed ethnic backgrounds. So you could be Italian and Irish, Russian and German, you know, whatever. So you have to look at how your ancestors used to eat. And the reason that's important is because science shows that it takes 100,000 years to change one-tenth of a percent of the human genome. 100,000 years to change one-tenth of a percent. So even if we go back 5,000 years, it's pretty safe to say that we're almost identical to our ancestors that lived 5,000 years ago. Okay. So for me, um, Italian and Albanian, 75% Italian, 25% Albanian, very close to each other, right across from the Adriatic Sea. Um, and you have to look at what was available back then. How were we designed to eat? And when you think about people out there that are suggesting these diets and, oh, you have to do this, you have to do the keto, you have to do the high protein, the high fat, you have to do just all carbohydrates or just vegetarian. Anytime someone tells you to do one thing and they're saying it to a group of people, I would throw a red flag. I would semi shut down, listen to what they have to say. If anything that they're saying works, take that and then discard the rest. And then find someone 
like myself, who's telling you to think about it on a different level. So let's take the example that I always use. Let's look at an Eskimo and think about what an Eskimo would eat, a true Eskimo, let's say 2,000 years ago. And then let's look at someone from the South America region 2,000 years ago. There's no grocery stores. There's no farmer's markets. What are they eating? They're living off the land. They have to eat what's available to them. Well, Eskimos don't have, you know, grains or an apple tree just growing right next to their igloo, right? And so, and also, of course, it's not just all ice, right? It depends on which part they're in. But anyway, you know, it's just, it's based on availability. You don't have all these leafy greens just growing all around. And then you look at the South American. Well, maybe they don't have a lot of meat all around. Maybe they have a lot more vegetation. They have a lot more fresh fruits and vegetables and things like that to eat. And if they come across, you know, whatever, a rabbit or a hog or, you know, whatever's in the South American region, then they can, you know, eat that if they're equipped to hunt. So we have to look at that, but let's fast forward a little bit. Modern times, a true Eskimo and a true South American get on a plane and they meet halfway somewhere for a vacation and they have a fun night and they have a kid. Well, what's the kid eat? What's a good balanced diet for the kid? Because the dad's all about, let's say the dad's the Eskimo and the mom's from South America. The dad has a lot of fat and protein, whales, seals, fish. And the South American, a lot of fresh fruits, vegetables, occasional meat here or there, depending. Also depends on activity level, but it's hotter in South America. So sometimes you see a metabolic typing that the climate adjusts our appetite and how we eat, you know, with the colder months starting to come in now, uh, or eventually pretty soon, you know, you might notice I live in Pennsylvania, so I'm on the East coast. So you might notice that you have a higher tendency for, for some fats and proteins, um, in the colder months and in the warmer months that just passed us, you, you know, found that, yeah, I really like some fresh fruits and vegetables and salads and things like that totally normal. But again, back to the Eskimo and the South American, what does the kid eat? And a lot of people don't think about that because now maybe the kid just eats right smack dab in the middle, which we would call that a mixed type. So the dad would be a polar type, which is a fast oxidizer. And the mom would be a slow oxidizer, which we would call a carbohydrate type. And the oxidizer part just basically means just think of oxidation as metabolizing. So a fast oxidizer metabolizes carbohydrates or breaks down carbohydrates fast, quickly. So if they ate a lot of carbohydrates, they'd burn them up very quickly and feel hungry again. So that's why they need some fat and protein to keep themselves satisfied. So if you look at your own plate of food and you notice that you do eat mostly carbohydrates, but you notice that you get hungry pretty quickly within an hour or two hours or something like that, you feel ravenous, it's probably because you didn't have enough fat and protein to help keep you satisfied comfortably for around three and a half to four hours between meals. So on the other side, the slow oxidizer, they don't need a lot of fat and protein. 
Because if they have a little bit of fat and protein, that's going to keep them satisfied well enough, plus all the other carbohydrates they're having. So let's say they have a big salad with just a little bit of chicken in it. That'll keep them, that'll keep them pretty good for a while. But if they were to eat like the fast oxidizer, the, carb, or the, the protein type, they would feel horrible. They'd have a heavy gut. They'd probably feel mentally foggy. They'd feel sluggish. They just wouldn't feel good. So we have to go on how we feel. And there's some, you know, fine-tuning charts and handouts and things like that that I use uh, to help my clients feel their food and understand how it feels to have too much carbohydrates, too much proteins and fats and things like that. But, you know, it's too a little too technical to get in on this. And plus, uh, I have visuals that I give people, and most people are, you know, visual learners. But I just want you to think about the ratio of the food. So now that we have the quantity, or um, the, the quality out of the way, again, back to the quantity, looking at how much fats, proteins, and carbohydrates we're consuming. So, you know, you have to think of, and there's a book called The Metabolic Typing Diet by William Wolcott that you can easily get. I have the questionnaire in that book, and I even have a more simplified questionnaire to help people figure out what their metabolic type is. And again, that's just on paper though. And there's other external factors that can influence metabolic type because we're not, most of us are not true breeds. Um, and because we live in different climates that maybe our ancestors lived in from where our ethnic you know, background stems from, then there's other external factors that can influence our, uh, our eating habits. But it's still something that we have to consider, the quantity of the food. So fats, proteins, and carbohydrates, and you know, play around with it. Have more fats and proteins in one sitting and see how you feel. Are you feeling any better or worse than you did before you sat down and had your meal? And then do the opposite. So if you, had, if you started with more fats and proteins, start with more carbohydrates and have a lot more carbohydrates and see what you feel and notice if there's any difference. So, but when we're talking about nutrition, I just like to focus on those two things first. I think it's easy. It keeps it simple. It doesn't overcomplicate it. And let's face it, there's tons of information out there about nutrition, about diets, what people should be eating. And, you know, anytime I use the word diet, I'm really just talking about what the person's eating instead of an actual quote unquote diet where people kind of associate starving yourself, not eating bland food, whatever it is. But now with things like the paleo diet and the keto diet, it's changing a little bit of the stigma, um, but it's still a regimented program. And the thing that you have to understand about nutrition is it's, you're changing, you're evolving. So your diet's going to change and evolve. There could be similarities, but even if it changes a little bit, now it's no longer a prescription. So when people have a fixed view of what they should be eating and how they should be eating and how much they should be eating, that's going to change with activity levels, with your environment, with just your personal needs. As you get older, you're going to notice that things change in your body. You're not the same person you were a year ago, two years ago, 10 years ago. And we have to be open to that change, but we have to be open enough to feel those changes and feel what our body needs. So that's what I think I'm going to end with is just, you know, keep yourself open to the idea of what your body needs on a day-to-day -day basis 
you know, if you wake up one day and you're not super hungry in the morning, don't force yourself to eat because you heard someone say that breakfast is the most important meal of the day and you need to have it be your biggest meal. If you're not that hungry, don't force yourself to eat because you're just overtaxing the digestive system. You know, maybe instead have some tea, have, you know, just, just some water, have maybe a little light snack if you feel the need to kind of graze on some food at first and then have your meal afterwards. You know, maybe you go and do a workout and you stimulate a little bit of an appetite and now your body, you're breaking down your muscle tissue a little bit. You're getting your heart pumping. You're doing something good for your physical body. And now you're going to fuel the aftermath of that and give yourself some good nutrition with, again, some high quality food. So consider buying organic as much as you possibly can. I understand people are on budgets and things like that just do what you can you know meat is a really important uh one to look at for organic purposes because of like we said before of the things that these animals are eating and the way that these animals are raised i mean you're looking at you're comparing a stressed out sick animal that has to be given antibiotics as opposed to an animal that just gets to roam around eat its natural diet, which is grass. So it's getting exercise, it's getting good nutrition, and it's happy. And hopefully, which is something that you can ask farmers and things like that, and I've already done the work for you with Blackwing because I know that they support farmers that do this, is that the animal is being slaughtered in a way that is not inhumane, that is not painful. Um, and that's really important too because you know, anyone that is a hunter knows that if the animal suffers for a really long time, it changes the flavor and the texture of the meat. So it's the same thing with chicken. It's the same thing with cows. It's the same thing with every animal. So you don't want something that was slaughtered in a way that's inhumane. And to some of the people that don't support vegetarian or that support vegetarian diets for that particular reason, my answer is vote with your wallet. If you don't want to see the animals being treated that way, vote with your wallet and support the farmers that don't want to see that either. The farmers that actually care about the animals, they raise them in the right way, they live a healthy and fulfilling life, and then they give their life and love to you. It's the cycle of life. You know, in the wild, a zebra eats the giraffe or the or a lion eats the zebra. The zebra had eaten the plant. And when the lion dies, he falls on the ground. And after everything's done eating him, the vultures and whatever, where does he go? Back into the soil. And where do the plants come that the zebra ate? From the soil. So the lion gets eaten by the microorganisms in the soil and all the decomposers in mother nature in the soil and goes right back into the plants. And I'll get into that in the other podcast because uh, this one's probably already too long for this kind of conversation. Hopefully you're not sleeping, <laughs> but um, it's a cycle of life, you know? So again, doing it for the right reasons, doing it for the intelligent reasons, but then voting with your wallet and supporting the people that care about animals and that understand 
what it takes to have good food, have good nutrition, live a healthy lifestyle, et cetera. So I hope that gave you something to think about. I hope you're walking away with this with the mindset of fueling your body instead of just eating on the go and mindless eating, make eating a daily task. And, you know, it's even something that you can do um, for yourself. You know, if, if you've got a lot of hustle and bustle going on throughout the day, eating can be a nice break, a peace point throughout your day to just let yourself relax. You're fueling up. You're letting the engine idle a little bit, and then you're going to go right back and get after it after that, right? Because you know you got four more hours, five more hours, six more hours worth of work, or you're eating dinner and you still know that you got to put the kids to bed and read them books and get them bathed and all this kind of stuff. Or maybe you got a lot of activities to do afterwards. Maybe the homework's not done, something like that. So you need that energy, you need that fuel, and you need a little bit of that time to just recharge, sit and idle for a little bit, and then rev back up. So again, hopefully that helped you. Hopefully you got a little bit more educated and think about nutrition in a different way. Look into metabolic typing. Um, if you're interested and you have questions, we can always jump on a quick call. You can Again, you can reach out to me through my Instagram, through my Facebook. Um, you know, you can go on uh, the Warrior Dads Facebook page. You can go, uh, you just type in Warrior Dads on Instagram or Jim Burdamy at Jim Burdamy. Um, easy way, easy ways to find me. So if you have questions, reach out. If you want to jump on a call, reach out and um, please support the page by liking it, sharing it. And uh, I will see you on the next episode. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Warrior Dads podcast. If you like this podcast and want to support it, please subscribe, leave comments, and share it with someone you think would benefit from listening as well. Thanks again, and keep on being a Warrior Dad.